Machine learning models require training data, and training data needs to be labeled. Raw images and text can be labeled using a training data platform like Labelbox. Labelbox is a system of labeling tools that enables a human workforce to create data that is ready to be consumed by machine learning training algorithms. The Labelbox team joins the show today to discuss training data and how to label it. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for having having us. I want to start off with a simple question. Why is training data important? Yeah, what we are seeing is a big shift from big shift in computing from uh, encoding logic to solve really interesting problems uh, in, in the real world to building these intelligent applications, but with data. And in this new paradigm of software 2.0 or data-centric programming, these models or algorithms are essentially neural nets and they do not have intrinsic understanding uh, of the world or the systems. The only way that these models learn to emulate pattern recognition is by seeing many uh, examples of decisions, human-like decisions. And uh, these decisions are essentially what we call training data in digital form. So for example, if if we wanted to build an AI system that could detect a tumor in the images, we've got to tell a computer somehow what does tumor looks like and what are all the varieties of tumor that can happen. And the medium to communicate that to with models is uh, in a form of training data. That is really the best way to tell computer systems uh, about uh, pattern recognition. And models are intrinsically kind of kind of dumb. They, they don't really have any encoded understanding of the world. And so it all really comes down to the information that is fed to them for, for its learning. How do labels get applied to a piece of data? There are quite a few ways uh, to apply labels to data. Generally speaking, labels are applied by uh, humans in, uh, in some form or the other. For example, if you're using Facebook, you're tagging your friends, you're essentially telling the system that that person uh, in that photo is your friend. In other cases, there are systems and teams set up that only thing that they do is essentially look at the information and apply some sort of observation to them. Then there are in real world, for example, in radiology, for instance, when you go to a doctor, the, clean, the doctor looks at the x-ray scans and sort of marks some of the areas for their own wreckage, like that's what the tumor is and so forth. So there is just a whole different ways of how we as human teams generally apply labels on the data. Now, a lot of these activities are not necessarily done in spirit of building AI systems. They are done for just part of doing the job. But as uh, these AI systems have become more prevalent, it has become more important for the AI creators to create labels in a systematic manner that is high quality, unbiased, And in order to do so, most of these teams have to develop software systems, software infrastructure, and processes to create these labels. Now, not all the labels are created by human teams. There are uh, automatic ways to apply labels. So for example, 
if I have uh, an image of a, um, again, I'll take an example of a tumor, I could probably write like a uh, function like, okay, tumors are generally darker on a light uh, kind of background. Maybe I can have like an OpenCV function that detects like darker kind of pixels and uh, automatically apply a label that that is likely to be a tumor. So we kind of have um, a whole variety of ways that teams create labels on on the raw information. And uh, the important thing really is for the AI creators to subscribe into one or many of these approaches that are relevant and appropriate for their uh, data and domain, the problems that they're solving, and essentially create an organized workflow so that their AI models are constantly being trained uh, with a stream of high-quality uh, training data. On label box, explain what label box is. Label box is a training data platform for AI teams. A training data platform is an emerging category of software, a critical piece in the new paradigm of software 2.0 data-centric programming world. Now, training data platform consists of a three core capabilities, annotate, manage, and iterate. So at the heart of all of this category of software is annotation tools. Annotation tools are essentially enables are essentially like labeling systems that human teams can use to create labels from scratch or review existing labels, like course labels, and refine them. Then there is the, the AI teams that need ability to manage the training data and understand its quality and bias, share and reuse and repurpose in their organization. And then the third part of training data platform is iteration, where AI teams need a really easy way to diagnose errors in their AI models and use those insights to take actions such as source and select the right data to label to further increase the model performance. And uh, that is what Labelbox does. Labelbox offers tools and organized workflow in these themes of uh, manage, iterate, and annotate. So is Labelbox used by people who are working in the same uh, company as the engineers who need the machine learning models, or is it used by like outsourcing firms? Labelbox is uh, primarily used by AI teams across all different kinds of companies, whether it's small AI teams or one of the largest like enterprises on the planet. The portion of our software is used by outsourcing teams to, uh, for them to render their labeling services to our customers. But primarily, as I mentioned, manage and iterate part of uh, Labelbox is prim- primarily designed for AI teams because uh, ultimately AI teams need an organized workflow to systematically create training data, find errors and correct them, and ultimately train AI models quickly. Could you give an example, a prototypical example of a Labelbox use case? So Labelbox is predominantly in computer vision. So over the last two and a half years since uh, we've, uh, we've existed, Labelbox actually is used in nearly all imaginable use cases in computer vision, from medical imagery to agricultural robotics to scientific uh, use cases. Uh, one of the recent examples I can, I can think of is there are numerous companies in agricultural industry that are, in, uh, that are pursuing building robots that would essentially enable growers or farmers to uh, very selectively kill the weeds in the early season. 
So for, for, for example, in today's world, a farmer like in, in Illinois would have to spray like pesticides with, you know, with airplanes or with kind of a, with a general purpose spraying gun. And you've got to have to apply that pesticides to nearly all of the plants. Like it's, it's kind of like a shotgun approach. And with the advent of computer vision systems, now the tractors will have these modules that will kind of, with a camera, look very precisely if the plant is of, uh, of a corn type or if it's a weed. And if it's a weed, it would basically like spray like a small jet of pesticide to kill it right away. And that can reduce, uh, we're actually seeing in real world, that is reducing the application of pesticides by 90%, which is an insane amount. And if it's, uh, these technologies are pervasive, it will make really a big dent in the world. So now how these things, uh, how are these computer vision systems created? Well, it turns out for a robot to identify different kinds of weeds, it needs to first understand the kind of nuances of like whether if it's a plant or the ground. And then more importantly, it needs to identify if it's a weed or if it's actually the plant that we care about. And uh, so we are actually leaders in this space where most of the biggest companies use LabelBox to create these very sophisticated computer vision systems where they have team of agronomists who you know, have studied like these, these nomenclatures of plants and so forth for decades. And they are essentially labeling different kinds of weeds for, in different geographies, which is in turn used to train computer vision systems that can essentially do that and, and tell robots to spray, uh, spray at the right place. And that's one example of many, many other examples that uh, we see. I think what's really cool is that LabelBox is a very general purpose uh, uh, kind of tool. So if anybody has a pattern recognition problem in visual domain, they can actually use LabelBox to build that computer vision system. And uh, I think it's one of the most profound movements we are seeing in, 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 in this decade to move from like kind of building the software systems with logic to basically domain experts teaching AI systems directly about the world that they know of. So in that example, how work intensive is it to label those plants? It depends on the, of course, the use, uh, the, the, the particular use case and, of course, the maturity of the AI teams. Most of our customers actually have very less reliance on human teams. And that's because their AI models are participating in the labeling process uh, using our software platform. So in that particular example, generally, like if a company, if a team is just starting from scratch, they've got to, of course, create uh, initial, like it's a cold start problem. You've got to create training data from scratch and it's very labor intensive. But as soon as a teams have uh, just enough data so that they can train a model, even let's say with, you know, to, to about 50 to 60% accuracy, they can start to leverage their models to, dis to guide them where uh, they should be putting a more effort into labeling, such as like if a model is weak in certain class of weeds, well, maybe then the team needs to just focus on that particular kind of data and not label everything. So most of our customers, they start with, if they're starting from scratch, they have to label data laboriously, uh, manually. And over a couple of iterations, they can generally kind of automate or uh, reduce the need for human labeling by as much as 70%. So it really is just a function of 
the problem that the teams are solving. If the problems are narrower, the faster they can achieve uh, like that scale of automation. And if the problem is more um, broader, then they need to continue to create a lot of examples and data because the model just inherently needs to have uh, enough examples of uh, all edge cases. Can you describe how Labelbox fits into an overall machine learning workflow? Yes, it's fairly simple. In organizations, Labelbox basically integrates with data storage or data lakes. So it could be like Databricks, S3, Amazon, Google Cloud, and so forth. And then the information is brought into Labelbox for labeling, reviewing, and so forth. And then on the other side, uh, Labelbox uh, is integrated with uh, the AI training and deployment pipelines. And it's sort of like it is a cyclic process. Uh, so as more information is created in the organization that is sent into Labelbox and, and uh, things gets labeled, then the model gets trained, then the model gets deployed. The model is making decisions in the real world. It will make good decisions, bad decisions. Those bad decisions are brought back into Labelbox to be further reviewed. And then the model is retrained again. So generally speaking, most of our customers obviously have their storage and uh, hosting problems solved. They are often using PyTorch or TensorFlow to train their models after they ETL labels from Labelbox. Let's start to switch into talking about a little bit of engineering of Labelbox itself. Could you give an overview of what the application does, what it looks like? A Labelbox application does essentially three things. At the heart of things are world-class annotation tools. These annotation tools are generally kind of very complex because ultimately they work, they support images, videos, and to be able to label those formats, these systems have to be highly performant and efficient. So we deal with a lot of computer graphics-like problems at upfront on the annotation tool side. Then there are management of training data and iteration workflows. And, and those problems are essentially around work, primarily around data, big data, slicing and dicing, searching across all this complex information, and then workflows of how to, to understand quality of training data, improve the quality over time, create labels with different uh, kind of configurations of teams, and so forth. So generally speaking, those are the three components of our application. It's purely software. It comes as a cloud SaaS as well as on-prem. And Ed, uh, do you have any more to share there? Yeah, maybe the other thing to, to add is the just the, well, maybe you already touched on it, but the workflow and the, like the queue management, how we assign uh, tasks out to the, the labelers. You want to describe that in more detail? In the annotation part of our application, uh, one of the big problems typically is collaboration with any number of people. And generally, uh, creating lots of training data requires, of course, a lot of people. And these people can be whether inside the organization. They could be, of course, part of external organizations or outsourcing companies. And so the, the system has to be able to kind of enable that collaboration and, and enable these people to work at the same time. So one of the things that we was one of the early innovations of Labelbox was the queuing system. So Labelbox sort of automatically can uh, take, take the data set that needs to be labeled and, and share it across uh, the different people in real time dynamically. So for people who are mostly were used to using desktop tools, where literally in order to create like lots of training data, there would be people who would 
divide the information into USB like small chunks and take those USB sticks and put in the computer, load that for person A, person B, person C. And that's kind of like this, that, that was the state of the art two years ago. So Labelbox you know, kind of brought that into the cloud and made it very collaborative. It's almost like coming from like Word, like desktop Word to Google Docs. And uh, so that's one of the one of the actually very hard problems to solve uh, that can that can kind of scale uh, for lots of people. And uh, so that's an example of uh, of an the thing that uh, Labelbox provides among many other things in our platform. Is Labelbox an Electron app? It is not. Our uh, technology stack is essentially uh, React. So we, most of our UIs are in React and Redux systems. And then, of course, we use TypeScript uh, as a language for throughout the front-end world. I'll let Ed describe the back-end system. Yeah, there's just a lot of uh, Java and some Go uh, running on Kubernetes uh, in GCP. And, of course, we have our on-prem solution as well. What do you put in Java? What do you put in Go? So Java is mostly the services. Uh, the Go the Go stuff is just related to you know our things that we're running on Kubernetes. Uh, I actually don't know the specifics of uh, what we're running in Go right now. Apologies for that. That's all right. So you have a bunch of we use Go for asynchronous systems. So webhooks delivery or uh, is an example that is implemented in Go. Got it. It's still surprising that you wouldn't just use Node. Like, what do you need Go for? Why does it need to be so fast? That's a good question. Uh, so we actually, a lot of our services are Node uh, currently. And when we looked at that particular implement, implementation for webhooks, at that time, it seemed to us that Go was most prudent choice because our teams had knowledge or building that exact application in previous roles. So a lot of our kind of decisions are, you know, you have to make them at uh, end point at that time of a company's phase. And a lot of it is driven by teams' capabilities and what we are most comfortable with. And so that is an, ex- an example where like our team members had a lot of comfort, uh, comfort around building Go application for webhooks. And uh, we had seen all the kind of nuances of it. And, and it was least riskiest decision for us to take to, to go build that. And so let's go through the usage of Labelbox a little bit more. So the plant labeling example. So I've got a bunch of plant images. Uh, I open up Labelbox and I do what? So typically AI teams, what they do is they need an organized workflow for training data. And an AI team would essentially first integrate Labelbox with their data sources so that their, the information can come into Labelbox. And then they're going to configure a few things. Number one is the ontology. Like what is the taxonomy or, or ontology, in other words, needs to be applied so that I can train a model that will be able to detect those items in the ontology. And, and then the second step is to essentially configure the project where how am I going to create uh, this training data, whether am I working with internal team of domain experts, whether I'm outsourcing it to any number of uh, kind of these service providers, whatever, and maybe the configuration is hybrid. So uh, essentially the team set up those parameters and then they kick off uh, the, the labeling project. And uh, as soon as the projects are kicked off, the labels are created, they are streamed, AI teams in real time can see as labels being created, they can provide feedback to those labels, they can instantly use them for training their models. 
And in most examples, like when our teams uh, uh, have AI models, they essentially integrate their AI models with Labelbox. So these uh, human teams are not labeling from scratch. They are essentially reviewing AI predictions. And so the cost of, uh, and that's really important because cost of correction is a far lower in most cases than cost of creation uh, of labels. So these are all the things that uh, a machine learning team would uh, kind of do as a part of setup uh, in Labelbox. And that's it. And this is just one project in an organization. Typically in an enterprise, what we see is there are numerous AI initiatives. They are solving tens of different problems with AI, whether it's computer vision or NLP. And so Labelbox offers these AI teams sort of a standardized tools and workflows to be able to simultaneously create all kinds of training data in any kind of configuration while keeping control of the training data in a single place. When I click on an image and I, and I label it in Labelbox, what happens on the back end? A few things. So, well, firstly, before you're able to click an image, the chances are Labelbox system has pre-processed that image to aid in labeling. So there, there is probably some metadata. There might be some uh, easy ways to kind of like create segments and parts of the image so we can pre-process super pixels. And then we've got to also ensure that the image is delivered wherever you are around the world uh, as quickly as possible. So there's a lot of pre-processing step that happens before the image even shows up to the client uh, computer. And then once you create the labels, in Labelbox, all of those are essentially annotations and each individual annotations are saved in a database. And, and, and so they are in real time, we are essentially saving them behind the scenes. So they can be resumed anytime, they could be loaded anytime by other person and so forth. And that's it. So once you submit it, every info, all the information and a lot of the attributes like time and uh, any other metadata that might be generated during, during that process is saved in our database. And then our system determines what is the next image for that person to label. So you're talking about earlier about the the work queue for different labelers. Can you tell me more about how the labelers interact with Labelbox and how a team of labelers their uh, their labeling work can be synchronized and and parallelized? Yeah, for sure. So let's say you've got hundred uh, people uh, that need that are available to label data for uh, for a particular project, and you've got ten thousand images that needs to be labeled. So in Labelbox, it's literally just three steps. You uh, set up the you set up a project, uh, upload those ten thousand data rows for images, and uh, add hundred people. And in in many cases, people simply click just a button to access a very large number of people uh, services. In that particular project, now Labelbox essentially determines like how is that ten thousand uh, rows going to be distributed by hundred people. And it essentially, the, the system is essentially a, a, a pull system. So, you know, these 100 people might not be available online at the same time. Some of them will be in the morning, some of them will be in the evening. So they are essentially kind of eating away from this queue as the work uh, gets done. But what gets really complicated is, let's say, if you wanted to have consensus or if you wanted to have benchmarking system. So these are kind of essentially the tools for quality control. So, for example, it turns out in uh, highly specialized uh, industries like medical, for example, doctors disagree about uh, a particular uh, kind of diagnosis as much as by 40%. 
So it turns out like if AI team is trying to build a computer vision system that detects tumors and if doctor's disagreement is 40%, that is going to translate to the model and it's going to be really difficult to um, kind of pursue FDA approval and things like that with uh, that kind of performance of the model. So teams want to know, teams want to supervise a system of consensus where each image needs to be labeled at least by three or four people or any number of people, different individuals. So our work queuing system gets very complex when these when it's parameterized like that. So we automatically, like if it's if the settings are set up where three people needs to label the same image, we are determining that. We are in real time understanding like what the asset has been labeled by how many times and ensure that the next asset should be labeled by person B instead. Now, adding to more complexity, when customers have AI models participating in the labeling process, well, it turns out AI models inherently has knowledge about the data, meaning that the AI models seems generally know that their AI models are performing weak in identifying objects of type B or type C, and that they might want to prioritize certain data rows up in the queue uh, so that they can create those labels early on in the process and retrain their model to boost the model performance as quickly as possible across those classes. So team now, our queue, manage, our queue system has to be able to also allow these uh, teams to be able to do that, not only prioritize which assets should be labeled when, but also on top of that, have system for consensus or quizzing labelers uh, randomly behind the scenes and understand their quality, their performance uh, on that particular task. So it's, it's, it's generally a very hard computer science problem to solve in a scalable manner that uh, meets like 99.99% SLA. And uh, that's an example of kind of a work queuing system in LabelBox. Tell me more about quality management, quality management of, of the labels that are being applied to given images. Yeah, quality is a very subjective thing, you know. I think we hear a lot uh, in the world that the data, it's all about high quality and unbiased data. Actually, the, what we find is it's actually not true. What, so for example, we have customers in the insurance industry and they are labeling data in a super biased manner about how a claim adjust, like a claim instance should be adjusted because what they're trying to really do is they're trying to encode their institutional knowledge and the, which is essentially proprietary to that organization into training data so that their AI models tries to mimic the behavior of decision, dec, behaviors of their own claim adjusters who are trained in that organization to make decisions in a, in a particular way. So LabelBox as a software enables organizations to create training data and ad, administer quality to whatever they see fit. And the way kind of a teams assess quality is essentially three, three things. Number one is um, the um, uh, consensus. So in, in some places, you might want to administer a consensus system to uh, collect multiple votes for the same, uh, same kind of image or, or a video. Second is uh, benchmarking, which is randomly teams might want to administer some sort of a quizzing mechanism to ensure that the person is attentive and, and making the right decisions. And then third is essentially having kind of like a, a review system and what we see is actually review system to be very important. So taking ideas from like classical manufacturing uh, processes, what you want to do is the, the biggest innovation of the manufacturing period was 
to take process and compartmentalize into small steps and to do them serially and, and have the people who are trained to do those small tasks uh, at different stages. So what we see is companies also um, have, let's say, they would label data with any number of uh, kind of conf- like outsourcing teams, internal teams, but they would have a different team that is essentially reviewing all of the labels and, and ensuring that they are correct or wrong. So there is essentially three kind of ways people use our tools in Labelbox to administer and monitor quality. And on top of that, then sometimes our customers also use their AI models uh, to make predictions on the human labels and uh, understand how much overlap there are in those instances. And that also yet is yet another way for uh, teams to discover gaps or, or things related to quality. So I think the, 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 the answer really there is that there is no silver bullet uh, for uh, quality because quality in itself is a super subjective term. But what companies, uh, what AI teams want to be able to do is have the tools and workflows to administer uh, the policy of the quality that they see fit in this workflow and consistently create training data uh, according to that policy. And so Labelbox provides basically a lot of collection of tools and techniques to be able to do so. There are several different types of labels we might want to apply, images, video, text, and audio. It's one example of a particularly difficult labeling task to, to set up. Video seems challenging. Like, How do you build the video labeling processes? Do you have to label every frame, or do you have to label something, and then you have some computer vision model that figures out what entities are moving in the video? How do you do that? It's a collection of things. Yeah, certainly video is hard, uh, harder than just a single image. I think generally speaking, as as compute gets more pervasive and models get better and better, what we are seeing from Labelbox perspective is that the, the labeling complexity is increasing. So people are generally more interested in capturing higher order perception and, and more quickly. And Video is actually a great example because generally models do not have a capacity to understand the time domain. And you know, there's a lot of innovation that is happening that uh, enables these models to kind of remember the last few frames and, and, and so forth. And the hard part in video is essentially being able to tell um, what is happening over the time period. And we have seen techniques of frame-by-frame frame labeling and so forth, but that essentially loses the essence of the content. The, the fact that there is a time domain and that it should be used as a as a information to, to decide what's happening on the video. Particular challenges in video are, of course, around uh, just the bandwidth. It, it's just a very high um, data, high volume of data. It needs to be able to work in all kinds of computers. The tools have to be able to uh, be precise enough to tell what is happening in a video, like how the pixels moving from time, like one minute to two minutes, and do be able to do that precisely. So the challenges like that are are generally hard problems. And oh, by the way, all of this has to be work work in browser. So they have to be just very performant and snappy, and then becomes like computer graphics problems, like kind of the problems that video game industry uh, continues to solve for video games in the browser. Can you tell me more about how you solve for the problem of of bad labels or erroneous labels? How do you get those figured out in, in future iterations of the training process? 
So there are quite a few ways, uh, again, to be able to, to find bad labels. Beyond the things that I mentioned to you um, before, like those are actually all uh, prudent ways to identify bad labels. The other way um, that we often see our most uh, advanced customers do uh, is essentially they would do a diagnosis of errors in the models. Essentially, typically when you train a model, you're training a model on a validation set. Uh, you're testing the efficacy of the model on a validation or test set. And those validation and test sets are also labeled by humans, um, generally speaking. And, and so what often teams do is they essentially overlay model decisions on those on those like subset of data that already is labeled as well with a separate method. And they try to find out like what is, where are the discrepancies that are occurring in the model? And based on those insights, they find like, okay, my, uh, in this example, this, this weed plant that I predicted is completely of a different type, but it looks like it can detect the edges of the, of the, of the weed plant perfectly. So then the problem is around classifying that particular weed plant. So maybe I need to collect more examples that I should find more examples in my data that could contain this kind of particular classification. And maybe I want to have a human team review that again and make corrections to them. Or maybe I need to just source and uh, collect more unlabeled data that might contain those examples and label that again and train a model. So generally speaking, like the errors in the labels are found during the process of labeling. And as well as after the fact, once you've trained a model and you kind of compare the model performance with the training data that it was used to test against. So those are the two areas where people often find anomalies in, in the training data. How is Labelbox used for collaboration in ways that we haven't discussed yet? Yeah, great question. Just like coding, coding is a very collaborative process because it essentially requires people, it requires personal logic and that to be wedded with different teams in pursuit of solving a, a, a systematic problem or, or creating a system that, uh, that once it runs, it solves those problems. In the world of AI, training data is the new code. This is how these intelligent systems learn. And turns out training data is, in, in other words, essentially our human decisions. And human decisions are, tend to be erroneous or diverse and so forth. And the, the way to uh, solve for, in, uh, for collecting decisions that are uniform, uh, that are representative of the problem is often done by collaboration where a team of people who are experts in that domain, so let's just take an example of that weeds, agronomists of different, of different backgrounds, they're coming together to label that data. But then there are a team of experts who are ensuring that the examples that are labeled are correct or wrong. And if there are discrepancies, they are, they are providing feedback to the different team members that uh, there's, here's a reason why this decision was wrong or here's a decision, here's the reason why this decision was right. And so in many ways, like you're kind of creating a system where human teams needs to collaborate, do knowledge sharing in spirit of ensuring that the, uh, the, the things that they label are uniform and correct to the purpose uh, of, the, uh, of building the performant AI model. 
And that is what uh, how that's how Labelbox uh, is is really powerful for these uh, for our customers because it gives this collaboration with any number of people, whether it's in in-house team of domain experts, whether whether it's outsourcing teams, whether it's machine learning engineers and labelers. Like it kind of brings all of these the three different kind of personas, like labelers, domain experts, machine learning engineers, program managers or product managers together in the same environment. And then they can have this sort of deep conversations and feedback and ensure that the things are being labeled the right way uh, inside a platform. Now, there is another layer of collaboration that happens in, in our most of, like, sophisticated uh, AI teams. Well, it turns out that machine learning mimics software development in a sense that the team has higher propensity of succeeding in AI initiatives if they are able to iterate faster. So, so basically, like the faster iteration cycle remains to be the cornerstone for uh, uh, for the success of machine learning. And typically, like when teams are solving a kind of a, a problem or, or a multitude of problems, what we see is that they, let's say, they would label data with certain ontology and tra- train a model. But as their business conditions have changed, market has evolved, they've identified that, you know what, they need to be able to identify more higher order things in that data, or perhaps identify a lot more uh, classes of objects in that data. So they need to be able to go back uh, to the existing training data and simply just make edits to them. And in Labelbox, it's super easy to do so. So we see a lot of people just do this iterations with their data and keep massaging it and keep kind of yeah, massaging it to to the right form uh, to to solve the business problem at that time. We also see in large organizations that uh, the different departments, when they create training data, they're often siloed in their kind of like desktop tools and so forth. So when when the company is using Labelbox, all of the training data is in cloud, it's in, in the same environment. So it turns out that if a team, if a new if a team has a new project to identify, you know, like roofs, for example, instead of labeling everything from scratch, it's very likely that, that a person can just search in Labelbox, like, is the, does does my organization have any data that contains roofs? Okay, I'm gonna use that as a starting example and add more things to it to quickly make a training set for my model. And uh, you know this is a completely different class of collaboration that we had never thought in the early days uh, that we would see, but it sort of makes sense. Like that's kind of like how GitHub and GitLab like platforms enable collaboration, and and uh, so we see that kind of aspect of collaboration as well. What's the hardest engineering problem you've had to solve in building Labelbox? You know, there's quite a few. And I think I'll share some of the problems that we that uh, that I have, and I'm, I'm sure maybe Ed has more uh, examples of problems coming up uh, ahead of us. Well, there are two classes of problems. So number one is computer graphics. To be able to make the labeling systems that are highly performant, uh, that can work in the web browser, you know, these labeling systems are essentially human-computer interface. They're not just like labeling, like uh, human is sort of like doing paintbrush and so forth the AI models are also making predictions. And so you want to be able to interact with these AI results uh, in a dynamic fashion, in a performant fashion. So generally that is uh, pretty uh, kind of at the apex of com- problems in front end world that, uh, that we get to, uh, that we continue to address. The second class of problems is around the backend systems. Because to give you a scale, one customer can be creating hundreds of millions of annotations for one single model. And Labelbox is used in all industries, and we have uh, hundreds of customers in different industries, and many of them are like at that scale. 
and to be able to kind of manage all of that training data in a single place and slice and dice and search for the right information, almost like a Google search experience, like, hey, find me all the, the, the training data that contains the cars and has all of these nested JSON attributes, and you want to be able to slice through these different levels. It's, it's, a, it's a fundamentally hard problem to solve in computer science in a distributed uh, kind of backend systems and so forth. So those are two journey, two class of problems that we have solved, we continue to solve that hope I, you know, that our customers don't have to reinvent and solve them again. But moving ahead, we have uh, a different class of problems and Ed will share that. Yeah, I guess for me, moving ahead, some of the challenges that I see is really around how you know, customers use our platform in so many different ways and really you know, are, are coming up with new use cases that maybe we haven't even thought of and, and really stretching the platform in, in different ways. And so building a, a platform that is robust and you know, can, can handle the, the huge amount of load that these customers are putting on us, like we're dealing with a, a lot of, lot of data. And you know, being an enterprise software company, you know, our, our customers are really depending on us and, and using us in very critical business processes for them. And so you know, building services that are five nines available, um, like you know, when we're down, it's, it, it has a huge impact for our customers, right? Like time is money. And so uh, you know, the challenges ahead for us is really building that enterprise grade five nines available system that you know, can scale with you know, the customer demand. That's probably the biggest challenge I see ahead of us. Tell me more about those challenges of scalability. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it has to do with, you know, technology choices. Uh, some of it is also just, uh, you know, the fact that we have to support both a cloud version as well as an on-prem version. So certain technology decisions uh, have to be made that, you know, that kind of, you know, align to, to both uh, product lines that can raise, you know, very interesting um, engineering discussions and, and uh, decisions. Yeah, just in, in general, just uh, being able to to manage all all that data and, and load, and designing your system so that it can be tolerant to like any number of failures. I think one of the things that we're learning now is like, you know, expect anything can fail, right? You know, we've we had some recent uh, outages that uh, you know were due to some of our, our cloud providers uh, partners. Right, like you know, th- you basically just have to assume everything and everything is going to fail at some point, and designing a system that is uh, resilient to those kinds of failures is uh, very challenging. Cool. Well, anything else you guys want to add about Labelbox? Yeah, the parting thoughts is essentially that you know, Labelbox vision is to essentially build a standard uh, data infrastructure, uh, training data infrastructure for AI teams so that they are able to easily supervise their AI systems and maintain those AI models in, uh, in production. And it's, you know, it's a, it, why you should work, uh, come work at Labelbox? Well, there's few things. One, it's really intellectually stimulating problems to solve. We are essentially building products for AI teams in nearly all industries. So instead of choosing one AI uh, kind of problem to solve at Labelbox, you basically get to see nearly all of the AI problems in the world. We kind of joke internally that Labelbox has this like sort of a pulse of nearly every AI initiative that is out there in the world. And, and we kind of get to kind of talk about it and learn about it. As I mentioned, we have incredibly difficult problems to solve in computer graphics and dealing with insane amount of visual data, processing them, creating derivative products from them, we have customers in scale. So 
teams who are really people who are just interested in solving these really interesting problems, but also want to deal with scale. Like we've got that. We've got some of the most important customers across different industries. So from agriculture to to healthcare to uh, defense and intelligence and so forth. And and lastly, we really have fun working together. So what we are looking for is similar minded people who are excited about AI systems and the problems uh, uh, that we kind of shared today. And, And that's it. Okay, guys. Well, thanks for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having us. Thanks.